mean, it proves like way back then you could fix the elections. The best, yeah, but the best part is there's no absentee ballots. It's not like if you're in the Union Army and you just write a letter home and say, Clarabelle, make sure I vote for Jackson or whatever. I guess Mm -hmm. that's a little earlier. Uh, No, it's like wherever you are, you just vote there. So Hearst calls his general buddy and says, everybody come to camp in the Black Hills. There's nothing up here. Right. (laughs) There's no rebs. I mean, that's all done. Right. Uh, the Indians are all dead. We're just up here for some reason. And then while we're here, a thousand soldiers are going to vote. Right. Uh, for um, Harry. Harry. Sheriff Harry. Yeah. The farting sheriff. <laughs> the farting, farting sheriff. <laughs> I mean, it sounds fair to me. Mm-hmm. I think the um, the only excuse, if you could excuse this behavior, which you can't, is oh, they're still figuring it out. <laughs> Yeah. Still kind of figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, the whole first season is about, and some of the second is about the fact that it's like, well, um, you guys aren't a state, you're a territory. Right. And But we still want you to pay taxes and we want all this to, you know, become a business, the business of government. And so right. how's that going to happen? Right. And is this saloon guy going to stop killing everybody we send to set it up to happen? Yeah. And it's just like people trying to fight against the control of society to live outside mm-hmm. of it whether they're free spirits or whether that society wants them for murder in new orleans right and then the second half of the show a deadwood becomes we've created our own society and now a uh, an actor uh, not literally an actor not jack langrish <laughs> but you know it's a, a, a robber baron from that society wants to transform this into you know, to, to eliminate the society we've made. Right. And so even though I've spent all this time escaping it or actively thwarting society so I could set up my own thing, we have to defend this ersatz community that we've made against these outside influences and threats. Yeah, yeah exactly. Against and, first. And a three-hour movie? I mean, we got to go three, right? Oh, boy. I don't know. That's a long movie. Yeah. It's a long movie. Well, three's not that long these days. Yes. Yeah. Two and a half, maybe. Two and a half. Yeah. Let's say a tight, tight two and a half. Yeah. What? Sounds everybody's better. gonna look twelve years older. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's true. Having um, now seen all of Deadwood, but really only remembering the last season or so that you watched recently. Mm-hmm. Your impressions go. I want to hear Swearingen first, then Bullock. All your impressions. Um, the first well, is like San Francisco, right? And then, the, the, and then the second one is you just talk like this, Saul. I won't be having this if you just don't move your perfect teeth at all, and they just stay like this. Right. Imagine you're talking through a mustache. Right. Well, I think, I mean, swearing Jen. I think we talked about this before. Like in the early seasons, was kind of a villain, and he was kind of the bad guy that you were uh, working against. He not great in the last episode. No, he's not, but he's, you know, you don't want to be on his bad side, and uh, I think he's a a better person than Hearst is. Like, I feel like Hearst is, like, almost, like, pure evil, Um, and that might be, the portrayal of Hearst may not be accurate. Okay, but mental floss. <laughs> Who are you writing for? Yeah. Anyways, um, and yeah. I I love Bullock. I've always loved Bullock, um, though he is a little bit 
like bullheaded and he sometimes lets his emotions get the best of him like when he like beats up eb like he really didn't need to do that but he thought that eb had like said something to hearst about him and mrs Allsworth. yeah but also i think al makes the point when eb's convalescing that uh it that was coming for a while maybe it was like <laughs> it happened to land on bullock's fists in yeah. his face but yeah uh, he'd earned that beating over the course of two and a half years of the show well he was you know kind of smart alecky and yeah and even but even he were made to uh to sympathize with him um he doesn't by the end of the third season really pull off anything heroic or selfless Mm -mm. but even we see that he his arc has turned towards i know it's my entire job to just s the d of whoever the most powerful person is but f this guy yeah and that's not how they talk on deadwood no it's not a lot of people have commented on the the swears the swears and i read something when the show was on a while ago um probably slate the only place to go for intelligent conversation about tv back then right Mm -hmm. uh which was that a lot of their curses would be blasphemes instead that everybody basically got a church education Mm -hmm. and so you know they're all naughty things you know if you really wanted to be profane you would be literally profane you know it'd be taking the lord's name in vain and it'd be religious based stuff okay sure and there would be a lot of literal tarnations and, and things like that but it's stuff that either doesn't shock us now Mm-hmm. Uh, the religious uh, curses or tarnation doesn't work <laughs> so right so they it isn't a bit anachronistic how filthy they get but it would have the same effect on a listener of the time it's mm-hmm. just they're just running it through the universal profanity translator sure for a modern audience right to get the same effect okay i mean that works yeah so, yeah uh, do you think that women this uh, we're the Justin F. Tro podcast. I'm your host, Gal Jones. I'm my, my co host. I am Mika Hanna. Right there. Yeah. Running the bank. Yep. Do you think that women are underrepresented on the show? Um, or just somewhat, the right amount represented? I, I do feel like they're kind of underrepresented. I mean, the majority of them are whores or started as whores right. and then graduated to something else. Yeah. But um, uh, there's a sort of, you know, not a, there's a, New acknowledgement of the fact that um, of the role that women played in the West, Mm -hmm. um, especially with what you're saying, you know, starting off being in prostitution, but also being um, in this environment free from societal and even legal restrictions to raise money, own property, Mm -hmm. be represented in the community Mm -hmm. and going from you know, making money however you make it to being businesswomen, being um, town leaders, you know, even of themselves. If you've got a town like Deadwood that runs, has no government, at least at the beginning, and runs mainly off its businesses, whatever you think of Al Swearingen, he is a community leader. Like, he gets everybody together, they eat peaches, and that's kind of a town hall meeting. Mm -hmm. And so you'd have women that would be in the same position, you know, if they were madams or owned you know their own business or saloon or like mrs ellsworth with the bank right um, if there's any gold or any interests you know any mineral interests and you've got a woman that's involved so she's running things that way and there wasn't i'm sure there were times where people were like well, i don't want to deal with a woman or whatever but a lot of times you'd come into town and if you want to 
bank your gold or sign off your claim or whatever, you just have to deal with whoever's there. And so women are being accepted for those reasons. Um, Non-whites are being accepted for those reasons. And so. Although I will say that no women were invited to the the town meetings. No. So, I mean. Mrs. Ellsworth does not appear at the town meetings. No, she does not. (laughs) So, um, and I think that Mrs. Ellsworth was kind of... um, an outlier in some ways and i'm sure there were actual people like her maybe she actually existed i don't know um uh i don't think that elma ellsworth or elma garrett uh was a real person okay i could be wrong but i'm sure there were people like her um yeah she was definitely based on other people um you know people who had claims who came by them either by their husband or perhaps their own own uh, interests family's interests yeah, yeah exactly yeah so um, I think that that was important. Um, to yeah, I think it was clearly important to the makers of the show. Yeah, because this could, and it is something of a sausage fest, but it could have been straight up and down sausage fest. And I think it was important to include women. Yeah, um, and you in can't. Any way you could. You'd say, okay, well, there is almost well, not one to one, but there is a lot of women represented mm-hmm. in the prostitutes that work at the various brothels. Right. So what about digging into? It might have been a lost. A chance to dig into have that be another ring of the circus do you know what I mean because yeah. usually when we go there it's clear that they're not they're just extras and not actors right and it's just some new horrible revelation of the life of an old west prostitute right <laughs> and they they'd make a stab at that uh, pun intended for the future uh, when we begin to focus on Joni and her rise from being somebody who was a uh, horror and then working their term uh, and then working, you know, in management, and then we're moving up to owning our own place. But yep. then being a madam, that's where the stab comes in, and so yeah. that didn't work out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that the makers of the show knew they had a big dude-centric thing on their hands, and I mm-hmm. think they did uh, maybe not everything they could, but they did quite a bit to try to balance it out. I mean, there is Jane too, who, yeah, um, who's just. Such, I mean, she's definitely been in fiction before, but such an interesting figure. Yeah, I know. Um, even though she was drunk a lot of the time. I mean, but it could have been the the Jane Gannery show. Yeah, I know. And instead, yeah, she is reduced to this figure who is uh, just sort of on the on the outskirts. Yeah, and, and they did that on purpose. From apparently in the uh, historical uh, historical account or the historicity of her relationship with Bill is that they weren't really close necessarily. They did sure. come to Deadwood at the same time, mm-hmm. and after he was killed. She certainly talked like in her the book she wrote about her life. She talked about him, and she would. There's a couple pictures of her like by his grave, but sure, they did not spend a lot of time together before um, they met at Deadwood. Okay, sure. Um, but I think you know having her portrayal is also really important. Um, uh, she was never a whore, and you know she was <laughs> no. she was very much independent <coughs> and yes. like. Um, definitely live the frontier life yeah she was a scout for yeah. Kester. Yeah. yeah so um and then well i thought it was interesting they had wyatt earp and his brother in it for a little bit third season but then they were there and then they were gone yeah i don't think they fit into the narrative that had already been set up mm-hmm. um opposed supposedly uh earp had been present in deadwood earlier okay uh, than he is in the show and when um Bullock became sheriff. 
uh, at the time, uh, it was actually between him and like Wyatt Earp. Oh, okay. Because Wyatt Earp had also uh, been a sheriff previously. Okay. And I think it was a game of like, well, I don't want to do it. And people were like, were supporting Earp because he was Wyatt Earp. He'd you know been right. a sheriff before. So at Bullock, of course. Um, but it did Bullock did end up becoming um, sheriff. sheriff after. Uh, Earp left camp. Okay. And then, of course, Earp got into all that fun stuff in down in the Arizona territories. Right. So, and his own thing. Right. So, yeah. Um, so, anyway, um, predictions for the film? I, <laughs> we're uh, almost done. If, if people didn't watch this 12-year-old show, uh, we're almost done. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of would like to see Hearst get his. I don't know if he's actually going to. He's got to get his. Yeah. But... Um, I don't want to see him like running the town, um, which There's, is what I'm kind of worried about. Yeah, and he's pretty old. I don't think he was actually that old in real life. Okay. At this time, he doesn't mention a kid. No. So uh, I, they might go alternate universe on this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because he's you know spoilers for history. He's got to make it out of here to have uh, William Randolph. You know. Right. Um. But if they don't do anything, yeah, I mean, he'll probably live anyway because the show has a pretty cynical, that is to say, realistic outlook. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that you just can't touch. Right. <laughs> so I think it'll be one of those things where he lives, but, you know, he people don't like him. Or right. <laughs> well, like nobody that. likes him. Nobody likes him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you mentioned you don't think that there's going to be like a huge like town fight. With oh, like well, it's a the movie. Pinkertons versus, well, yeah, yeah. versus the Chinese. I don't know if we'll get the huge showdown that the end of the third season was promising. Right. But it's a movie. I think that they'll add some action, you know, for some, sure. Some gunfights and stuff. Yeah. Probably some throats getting slid. Oh, yes. They'll just line up and Al just hustle down the line and yeah, I know. get them all. Yeah. Good stuff. Can't wait. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, looking forward to it. I don't. I don't know what I'm going to do if Bullock's not sheriff. That's going to be weird. Well, he, then he won't have to answer to anybody. Take the badge off. Yeah, then he'll just beat people up. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He says to Erp because he's worried that you know Erp is in town to cause trouble, and he says basically like, uh, you know, I, I put the badge down myself once, and it did, doesn't mean that I didn't want to. Beat not beat on people, <laughs> still. Right. I, but I just, you know, being a, being a sheriff means, you know, at least you're beating on the bad guys. Right. So yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Okay. Take that star off. <laughs> Where's Hurst? Do you think Utter will still be like deputy sheriff? Mm, yeah. Do they vote for that, or is that appointed? It's de- it's a deputy, right? Yeah. So I suppose that's appointed. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Harry would be a fool to not keep him on board, though. Yeah, he would. Stop. we got to stop. All right. <laughs> stop talking about this. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. Uh, okay, so here's our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about the news. Yep. We're talking about the big news, uh, which is, of course, the recent passing of Stanley. Yeah. And so I think that let's just talk about that. Okay. Let's just let that be the show. Okay. In addition to a little smattering of news. It's the Mary Marvel Morning Society. Okay, sounds good. Um, sadly, but yeah. a life uh, well lived and a life that left more in the world uh, than he, with us, yes. uh, than there was when he uh, showed up yeah. initially mm-hmm. uh, in the 20s. Yes. So we'll talk about that a little later. Okay. Maybe I'll uh, 
get out the old impression. Okay. Don't just say okay. <laughs> say this is a great time to retire it. But this, yeah. Or this well, is a great time to refine it. Maybe it would become so good. You just hand me those smoked glasses. <laughs> and I'll be the new man. I'll do it. You'll, you'll be the new stand I'll take man. that on for you guys. Okay. I All will right. create horrible, stupid new properties. Oh, no. <laughs> like Stripperella. Oh, no. I'll do it. Allow me to develop a terrible property with TMZ and JC called Dirt Man. No. Dumb. No. It's true. It's all true. We'll talk about that. Okay. So do the news. Well, like most comic conversations about Stan Lee, the name Jack Kirby is often said at the same time. Right. For good reason. And I think we'll start off talking about that. Uh, we've heard about the possibility, or basically the announcement, um, without too many more details, of an Eternals film. Yes. And uh, we have more information about that now. Okay. Uh, I should say, I should mention, uh, for the purposes of full transparency, that uh, this information comes from uh, a company that I work for uh, called That Hashtag Show. Yep. And they have an exclusive uh, story about the lineup for the Eternals okay. uh, being revealed. Now, this is um, sort of insider information, so take it with a grain of salt. Sure. But apparently the cast, um, or at least the character lineup for the Eternals is out there sure um so who do we have uh eternals of course created by jack kirby for marvel um remember the new gods mm. orion oh, uh, high father mr sure. miracle all yep. those guys mm-hmm. sort of like the marvel new gods basically okay let's try it again sure let's see what we get and so uh this is a 2020 film it's planned for 2020 uh it'll star a woman called karen Okay. <laughs> we don't know who it is. Okay. They're looking for any nationality, uh, particularly a Middle Eastern, African, or Native American. Okay. Looking so for a person of color. Actress in her early 30s. Okay. All right. Or Named probably in Karen. her mid-20s, can play early 30s. Right. Because it's Hollywood. Uh, can kick ass. But All right. Have, have warmth. Okay. They're also looking for a male lead, uh, only described as a Greek god, which seems to me to be... Why are you trying to hide Hercules? Just right. say Hercules. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, Hercules, another guy that hangs out with the Eternals. Uh, there's another character uh, by the name of Droog. Or okay. Drug. Okay. He is, um, uh, he was a Kirby creation, but he really get, became popular after appearing in Neil Gaiman's uh, Eternals revival in the mid-2000s. Okay. So he has uh, different powers. Uh, he can manipulate energy and the atoms of his own body and teleport and fly and all that good stuff. Actually, most of these guys can fly. Okay. Uh, any questions so far? No questions so far. Why not? Um, the, the, you're explaining them really well, so I don't have any questions so far. Okay. Well, uh, there's another character named Piper. Okay. A female, 10 to 16 years old. Described as a charismatic presence and a magnetic personality and wise beyond her years. Okay. And people think, and we're not sure, that this might be a reworking of the Eternals character Sprite, who I believe was a dude and was sort of the um, eternal, the spirit of eternal youth, like the young but wise behind, beyond his years. Okay. uh, Kind of figure. All right. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Uh, there is another uh, character called Elysius. Uh, Marvel's looking for an actress 20 to 40. Okay. Big range. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they know exactly where they want to go with this. All right. Uh, but anyway, uh, she is a character who is an artificial being that was created by Isaac, which is the um, sort of the sentient computer, you know, Hal that of Titan. Okay. Titan in this case. I guess is a planet. Okay. And not the moon of Saturn. All right. As is established by the people who can't read star charts or a map of the solar system. Great. That created Infinity War. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, and she's kind of a weird character. I think she might be a newer character. Not 100% sure. I uh, don't know a lot about Elysius. Uh, the Forgotten One. Male, age 25 to 45, to play the Forgotten One. The Forgotten One is Gilgamesh. Okay. Literally the historical, or I should say, uh, mythopoetical character of Gilgamesh. Really? Yes. Why he, Why are they called the Forgotten One? So remember, these are the Eternals. Yeah. They are essentially immortal. Yeah. They um, sometimes walk among us, mm-hmm. and but not often. They live on Titan mostly, but the Forgotten One was cast out of, of Titan. He was thrown out of the Eternal Society. So he came okay. to Earth. Okay. And as a superpowered being, he sort of wandered Earth and ended up becoming the hero of many legends. So he was the historical figure that Gilgamesh, you know, was based on. Okay. Gilgamesh. Right. And then Kidu. Okay. Starmok and Jalad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right? Sure. And he's been uh, sometime. Uh, Avenger and worked with the Fantastic Four kind of on and off, but not much. Okay. Uh, of course, Akaris will be in it. Male, 20 to 40. He is sort of the Superman of the Eternals. He's okay. uh, young, blonde, good-looking, kind of the, the face okay. of the team. Sure. And um, he can fly around. He's super tough. All the Eternals have a general suite of powers. They all have like a thing that they do, mm-hmm. but they're also... Much more durable than a human, stronger. Right. Most of them can fly just for the hell of it. Isn't Thanos an eternal? Yes, he is. Okay. He is part eternal, part deviant. What's a deviant? Deviants are mutant eternals. Oh. Yes. Okay. So there you go. All right. Uh, And he also has uh, psychic powers, but so do all of them. They all kind of have psychic powers. Thanos has psychic powers when they remember to use them. Right. There's also Makari. This is a male, 25 to 45. He is the the Flash of the Eternals, basically. Okay. He just runs real fast. All right. Uh, There's Cersei. They're looking for a female, 20 to 40. So basically just your sex at this point, because 20, 40, whatever. Yeah. They all seem to have a wide range, age range. Yes. Uh, She is... um, Sort of, she's named Cersei, so she might be the Cersei of myth. I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering about that. But she tends to have sort of charmy, magical type powers uh, to affect minds. Uh, She's kind of like the Enchantress. Okay, sure. If Kirby's going to repeat himself, I guess, from the Asgardians. All right. Uh, She also has an affection for humanity that most of the Eternals don't, so she likes Earth and likes to live on Earth. Okay. As does Star Fox. Okay. uh, Brother of Thanos, a.k.a. Eros. Uh, male, 25 to 45. Uh, he is Thanos' brother. Yep. He has been an Avenger for a long time. Okay. And here's his power. He can control people's moods and emotions. Yeah, that seems dangerous. Yeah. That does not seem like a good guy's power set. He's Eros, the yeah. god of love. Okay. Or maybe the god of date rape. Oh, my goodness. Only the courts can decide. Oh. Yep. She-Hulk, Volume 3. Check it out. Problematic. Yep. There's also Thena, actress uh, 20 to 40, being sought for Thena. 
Athena is Athena, basically. Okay. Um, Alrighty then. The, the Eternals are sort of like super mutants, kind of. You know, they're uh-huh. the same stock as humans, but they were altered to have these amazing abilities. And then, so some of them were born on Earth, and Athena was born um, on Earth during the Grecian, you know, mythical period. Okay. So she became this warrior that was sort of the basis of Athena. Okay. And right. she's got a crazy powers too. She can. She's invulnerable, basically. She can shoot lasers and she can do wow. all this stuff. Yeah, it's this is part of the thing is that, uh, well, maybe I'll finish the list here. <laughs> the last one uh, is Zuras, of course. Okay. Uh, Zuras is the son of Kronos and Dinah, the, basically the Zeus, you know, and or Kronos, I guess, uh, of the um, Eternals. Okay. And um, he can create force shields. And there's this thing called the Unimind. It's all... So now we'll get to my problem with it. Okay. The problem is, th- this is really out there. This is weird. Yes. And I can't remember if we talked about this on the show. Maybe not. But if you look at the Marvel Universe, you start off with, I sure hate Nazis, punch. Right. Then you move on to, I'm a spider guy, and I've got to get a date. It's tough to get a date. Right. Right. And then you move on to... I was born out of a cocoon, and the spirit stone allows me to fight literal death. Right. Know, and all this weird stuff. Right. And I'm a eternal, you know, for or I'm, or I'm a Cree warrior who came to your or your planet to destroy it, but now I defend it or, right. or whatever. It just starts to get weird. Like the cosmic stuff comes in in the 80s or 70s. Forget the 80s where everything gets gritty and the 90s where everything gets gritty with a triple X. Right. Um, and I'm wondering if the Marvel Cinematic Universe will have a similar evolution. Because mm-hmm. we've gone from, hey, remember, I'm the guy that threw the rats out of the car. Right. And now I'm a superhero. Right. And that's my character. Right. Uh, and I've got an iron suit to, oh, what are we doing now? Snapping fingers and the world, the universe dies, half of it dies. Right. So will it follow... It seems to be following a similar thing. I mean, the success of Guardians and the success of Thor Ragnarok has definitely proved, at least to Marvel Studios, that audiences are willing to accept crazier things. This is true. Things we have no context for. Yeah. Things there are literally no cinematic context for because there is no Planet X. There's no half world. We bring all these characters into Guardians and you just go, they're aliens. You, you got it. Figure right. it out. Right. So now we're going to have to hit a point which they may have already covered in Agents of Shield. I don't know. I don't watch it. Right. Where you go, they're humans, but they were kidnapped by ancient astronauts, you know, ancient aliens, aliens, and given superpowers, and now they live on another planet. Are you good? Right. Let's get the movie going. Right. Do you think? What do you think? Are think, you ready to, to learn a whole new list of things that people can do? I, I think it's a lot for audiences to accept. Um, I think it's a bit of a leap, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, I, I think it's doable because Guardians has taught us, you know, we're, you know, we can accept things that are weird and are different. But I think you and I talked about this before. Even in Guardians, Star-Lord was like our audience surrogate. Right. With this, I don't think we have a way in. I don't think we have an audience surrogate per se, you know. Um, Karen? Yeah, I don't know. Whoever Karen is? Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, Not Karen Page. And those are that was a long list of characters. That's a lot of characters to squeeze into one film. Yeah, that's not Tony, Happy, and Pepper. Right. That's yeah. That's a whole team already. That I mean, that, that was like what ten. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around 10 characters. I yeah. mean, that's a lot. Even in Guardians, like the original Guardians, it was like f- five main characters yep. and then the bad guy. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, I think we could get there and maybe with Captain Marvel, maybe we'll be one step closer to that. I'm not sure. Um, I think it's entirely possible to get there. I'm just not sure what they are going to do to make that smooth transition. And you, uh, smooth transition, it's not that song. <laughs> and you um, just mentioned Captain Marvel, and remember, Captain Marvel is a totally different thing. Yeah. We're talking that's about true. something completely different now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kree messed with the Inhumans, which is another thing too. Yep. The Celestials, I think, messed with the Eternals and created the Eternals. Okay. So you've got a whole other world that we're going to meet yes. in Captain Marvel that yep. we have to swallow, mm-hmm. which will have, unless they change the, the backgrounds, will have no opportunity to help get us into Eternals because right. it's a totally different venue. Right. They may mention... Oh, do you, do you ever been to Titan? Oh, I don't, they're they're weird there. We don't right. we don't go there. And, but that's that's it. That's like Stephen Strange mentioning Stephen Strange. Right? And why does Sitwell know who Stephen Strange is? I know. Did, did I know. he get his uh, spine worked on or something like that? <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that, that's. I think you made some good points. Um, what do you think they're going to do? Do you have any ideas? I don't know. I mean, I know I've read some of the Kirby Eternals. Okay. Uh, I've actually read more New Gods. Um, I've read the Gaiman sort of reboot. Okay. Which is not terrible, not great. All right. I like the John Romita Jr. art. Okay. But it, it was that sort of mid-2000s where Gaiman was like, he was under contract with Marvel Actually, he probably wasn't under contract because I don't think he's does contracts. But he was writing. He was going. I can do. Com- I'll do comics. I'll do comics. Sure. So he's doing a couple of Marvel books that were all fine. I think he was exploring and kind of trying some stuff out, but none of it ever really screamed. I didn't want to come back every week to see what Macari was up to. Like I didn't sure. really. There was no hook. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, if Marvel has proved anything, they can make anything work. That's true. But as history and just life has taught us, nothing lasts forever. That's also true. So people prophesy doom and gloom. Every single movie I think that came out, people have been saying, is this the one? Right. Right. So I'm not saying put any faith in them failing, but of all the, is this the ones, this is the onest of the ones. (laughs) (laughs) If you get my meaning. Yeah. This is the, one of the biggest leaps of faith. We know that, Infinity War 2, whatever the title is supposed to be, yeah. uh, will smash the record of Infinity War 1. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But after that, and all of our favorite little faces either leave or move to TV. Yeah. I know. Then? I know. What then? Well, well, I'll tell you one thing. Hmm. Speaking of TV, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be on. I, I heard the that. Sixth season premieres next summer, and it has already been renewed for a seventh season. Which is crazy to me. Yes. Um, this thing has like nine lives at this. I think that that it it seems like, oh, this is so hot. We got to get another one right away. I think this is a sign of, of course, their faith in it, but also a sign of the end 
because okay. when they pick it up this quick with the next season not even out yet, it gives them an opportunity to make, you know, like two shorter seasons. So they'll be spending less. And also once you've planned it out, like you, you know, everybody's coming back. Yeah. Then you can write your finales. You can close up all your storylines. You can, you know, pack it all up. Mm-hmm. So that's I think true. seven is, that's respectable yeah. for a show. I stopped watching a long time ago. I don't know about you. Yeah, I know. Somebody must be watching it, though. We always say that. I know. Fish. Yeah, fish. <laughs> they, they can't get away. <laughs> They're stuck in the tank. <laughs> it's like dog TV or something. Dog TV. That is there a channel called Dog TV? I think there is. There should be. I think there's a cat TV channel, too. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. Can cats... I was always told when I was growing up, maybe we should move on, but just give me this, okay. uh, that dogs couldn't watch TV, or at least they couldn't see it like we do, because their vision works differently, and the way that old-style TVs, old-style TVs, the gun, the ray gun, the electron gun would paint the picture, dogs wouldn't see Well, that could be the same motion that we do. Yeah. But mm-hmm. now with flat screens, I think we all just see the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of people, too, like their dog will hear like a doorbell or well, a knock yeah. and they'll start barking <laughs> yeah, like yeah. on TV. Yeah. So can you program Alexa to tell your dog to shut up every time it barks? <laughs> Probably. Because that's, that's kind they're of tra- already traumatizing. Well, everybody worries about everything, but people are always already coming up or uh, having the concern that children can be can interact with. Alexa. I was going to say yeah. being raised by Alexa, but children interact with Alexa. Yeah. So the 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 last thing, and it's all it's all coming like this. Every single thing that we have to worry about, some every day it's a new Black Mirror episode. Right. But it used to be like now a kid picks up a book and swipes on the paper, and nothing happens, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> the new thing is our, our you know your two year old is talking to Alexa, asking it to turn Shining Time Station on. Right. Maybe not to. I get the two-year-olds aren't very verbose, but uh, they're going to start talking to inanimate objects. Right, <laughs> Just right. expect them to talk. Sure. But by the time those kids get to 10 or 11, every object will talk, right? Right. So what's yeah. the point? What's the problem? Yeah. There's no problem. Yeah, I know. Speaking of somebody who can't talk. Yeah. Man, I'm good at this. Uh, Cassandra Kane has been cast. Yeah. For the 2020 Birds of Prey movie. Who was cast? Um, are you, are you ready to get excited? Uh, I don't know. Am I? <laughs> uh, an actress named Ella J. Basco. Okay, I have no idea who that is. If Basco sounds familiar to you, it's because she's the niece of Dante Basco. And I say, Rufio, Rufio, Rufi. <laughs> oh, uh, Rufio. You did it. <laughs> you did it without even wanting to do it. <laughs> Rufio's niece? Yes. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, I guess we'll see how good she is in Birds of Prey. Well, he's an actor and martial artist. Yeah. Um, And uh, Polynesian or whatever, uh, Micronesian. He's uh, Pacific. Something like that. Yeah. And so that looks good. Yeah. Um, I assume that she karate kicks too. Yep. And, you know, agents like Good News, Bad News, got a big role for you in a Margot Robbie movie. Uh, right. Bad News, you got no lines. Right. Because you can't talk. Right. Oh. That, that expression that you gave me, you seem really mad. You're very expressive. I think you're perfect for this role. 
So I don't know. We'll see about that. Okay. What else is going on out there? Um, sad news. Sad news. Before we get to Stan Lee, uh, William Goldman has died. Yes, I heard about that. The guy who wrote uh, Princess Bride. Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy. All the President's Men. Yeah. Yes. So that's that is sad news. Yeah. Um, uh, Filmstruck has also died. <laughs> Filmstruck. <laughs> the channel that a lot of his films are on. Oh. Okay. Um, no, but Filmstruck. Uh, good news is going to be revived as the Criterion Channel, is what I've heard. Oh. Which makes okay. sense anyway. All right. So we'll see. My thing was, uh, it's too bad that Filmstruck went down, but here's a bunch of famous movies that people love but don't necessarily have on Blu-ray. A lot of them are on Blu-ray. Sure. There will always be people who will pay you money to watch these movies. Mm-hmm. And so no company is going to let those properties lie fallow. Sure. So, yeah, we'll be okay. Okay. Um, Can we talk about Star Wars? Uh, uh, Pedro Pascal has been chosen to lead the Mandalorian series. I heard that. Yeah. So that guy is like everywhere lately. He is in a movie that you just saw. I know. That <laughs> is an independent Prospect. movie called Prospect that yep. no one has seen. And okay. then also he has been hired to do this. So, yeah, I guess he is everywhere. It seems like he's everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. I you heard a name and I heard it again. So I just feel yeah, like, it's like... when you learn a new word and then yeah. suddenly you just hear it everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that's who he is. That's who he wants to be for yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. All right. So tired of people talking about this. Pascal. <laughs> used to be a programming language. Now it's this. You heard about that Pascal? Man. So that's good news for him. I wonder if he will be a similar type character. Oh, do you know to what I mean? like kind of a Chilean uh, Mal Reynolds type, like okay. he is in Prospect. Sure. Because he's not that in. Eh, there are no cowboys in in uh, Dorne, I guess, but he's no. maybe cowboy esque. Sure. So I thought that he was an uh, interesting choice for Prospect, but the right choice. Yeah. It was great. Mm-hmm. And so if he brings that gunslingy sort of air to the Mandalorian, we might have I something, think that could work. something nice on our hands. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's shaping up. So maybe it'll be pretty good. Who knows? I hope that that is true. Uh, what else have we got going on? Uh, I wish I had more of an update on the next season of Taboo. Oh, yeah. Um, I... Th- the kind of big news, I don't. Um, the big news is that uh, the show will be heading to China because um, uh, Chinese uh, media conglomerate Alibaba has made a deal with them So and with Scott Free that produces it, of course. Uh-huh. And so the show will air in China. Okay. Um, you're going to... No, they're not going to... I thought you were going to say well, like hey, season two is going to be in China. And I was like, whoa. He's a well-traveled guy. Yeah, I know. You know, uh, I would wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it could be in the cards. Okay. Uh, you're gonna see this more and more. Um, I think people are. Well, let's get your opinion. What do you think about this? What do you think about Chinese money being all over our entertainment? I don't have a problem with it as long as like they don't like restrict distribution or anything like that. That's a great point. Um, That's a great point. I think so a lot of people. I don't want no Chinese taking over my... Who, who cares? I, I, exactly. They've been I making mean, movies for a long time. Yes. Hong Kong has great movies. Yes. And like The Meg, for instance. it's a li- I, Here's what I don't like. I don't like how cheesy the commercials are. You know what I mean? Sure. Like Clearly, there's a lot of like money, new money, sort of running around in their kind of airsats trying to be capitalist society. And so you get something like... 
Uh, a lot of money goes into the Meg, for instance, for mm-hmm. it to be set in China. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, except for this giant fictional shark that's eating everybody. What a great place to spend a vacation with your family. Do you know right. What I mean? Like, yeah. I, fine. If you, yeah, go check out China. Awesome. But it's such a cheesy commercial. Or like when Iron Man lands in China and says, well, I'm glad I got to meet the guy from China. He's great. Right. Well, Iron Man. Hey, you're, you're great, too. It's like just it's cheesy. Yeah. But that being said, yeah, this is this is great. You know, it's a great cultural uh, cross pollination, and I hope that it seems like people are more bullish on it than they were on the fact that oh, Japanese were buying; they're going to own us. You know, by the time we right. reach Blade Runner, it's going to be geisha ladies on every building, right? Eating sushi. <laughs> it doesn't seem like we're we've got that for the Chinese thing this time around. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because I think we learned to just love it and then cash the checks <laughs> right <laughs> to be to let a little bit of cynicism sneak in right. to my uh to my excitement over uh seeing more uh, chinese uh stars and movie makers being involved in uh, hollywood but yeah i'm ready for that season three of taboo yeah yeah so he goes to nooker island and then he steals a ship and keeps sailing and reaches china <laughs> perhaps they have an herbal remedy for his throat hyundai <laughs> Woo. Hyundai, Swagin. Yes. Bringing it back. Yep. Uh, real quick note, I don't have anything um, else to say. Uh, the headline is, uh, Microsoft buys Obsidian. Oh, are you are you happy about this or not? I mean, Obsidian was like... I don't know how to feel about this. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, it's not as bad. Let, let's, if you said like EA buys Obsidian... Not excited about that. Right. That'd be real bad. Yeah. Activision buys Obsidian. Yeah. Did they already spend time with them? I, I can't remember. I don't know. But anyway, um, Microsoft. Uh, I don't know enough about the game business to know how they treat their um, subsidiaries. Okay. Um, I just think in general, c- conglomeration bad. Right. But if Obsidian, a studio who's already He's, makes great stuff, but mm-hmm. has been close to <laughs> getting washed out a couple times. Yeah, maybe having a corporate parent is the way to go. Uh, they took Minecraft and they just turned. Speaking of horrors on Deadwood, they just turned that thing's ass out. You know, right. so I, yeah, maybe they'll we'll get a new uh, Obsidian uh, IP that will you know go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get a couple get some more work for Carrie Patel. You know, who knows? Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, could be good, could be bad, but of course it'll be bad. Initially, because lots of pink slips, oh. right? That's the way yeah, acquisitions go right. and mergers. Yeah. So that's not too great, but we'll have updates as we go on that. And one more story that's uh, good news uh, for a friend of the show as we close out here. Uh, two CV- TV series, Conum 2, based on the Wild Cards property, oh, are being okay, developed sure. at Hulu. Oh, fun. Yes. Um, the friend in question is Melinda Snodgrass. Yep. Uh, who is not that good of a friend because she's known about this for six months. Uh, <laughs> she didn't tell me. Well, she probably couldn't talk no, about couldn't it. No, she absolutely couldn't tell anybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it has been set up uh, through Universal Cable at Hulu, and it's going to be two different series. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, and there is it's plenty of material. You know, Wild Cards They have is a, a lot of different yep, stories. It's an yeah. uh, anthology universe, uh, which is nominally superhero, but it's mm-hmm. also sci-fi and uh, other stuff. So. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, as we know, um, it's always good for a book. Books can be great, but the second they get even a crappy TV show, that means a lot more books sold. 
It does. Yeah, for sure. More publicity. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yep. I'd say free publicity, but it's not really free. No, no. A lot of money goes into <laughs> making TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> so but the only free good. TV show was uh, Hulhauser's uh, Hule's Gold, right? Okay. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, I think Wayne's World was free, right? Was it? Yeah. Okay. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, go forever greater, we can show you how to, and when will you be? How, how do I say goodbye to yesterday? yesterday. I, I don't, I don't. Boys to men. Oh my gosh. Four boys are hit by radioactive rays. Causes them to grow to men. <laughs> Maybe like that. All right, sure. Uh, what do you know about Stan Lee? Um, I know boys and men. He he worked at Marvel for many years. Um, he started out. Um, I think he was a page or something. He basically worked at Marvel for most of his adult life. Yeah, and like he. You know, he started out small and then he got bigger, he got a writing job and then he was started writing comics and Yeah. He started off he was um born in Washington Heights and um you know, to a family not not rich and uh got a job. He graduated he was very smart, graduated high school early, sixteen, and uh got a job as a page, you know, or a like copy boy at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because I think like his cousin was married to Martin Goodman, <laughs> the guy that ran Timely, which was okay. Marvel back then. So, you know, okay. who you know, doesn't hurt. Right. And he always wanted to write. He always had these big ideas. And, you know, of course, his name is Stanley Lieber. Um, and when he got a chance to finally right. write something, when they had these comics back in the day, in the early 40s, mm-hmm. they would have, they'd be thick. And we know that because we read a bunch of them yes. for this segment. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we... Um, or they would uh, publish several stories in them. And the thing was is that they had to be a certain thickness or a certain length in order to qualify for the cheap freight rate, oh. for like the media mail rate. Okay. So they would, that's why, you know, Millie the model or Nellie the nurse or whatever would just go on for pages and pages and pages. And it's like, oh, editors are asleep at the wheel here. Right. Come on, you could tighten this thing up. Right. No, no, they want it to be long. Okay. And then if it reaches a certain length and it's not long enough, then it's, hey, Stan, uh, we need a two-page text story right. about Captain America fighting, you know, the, the Nazis or something like that. Right. And so that was his first published thing he wrote a a text backup story for captain america issue three sure and this is joe simon and jack kirby of course doing captain america sure and he didn't he always wanted to save stanley lieber for his great american novel that he was going to write one day okay so he said i want to be stan lee credit me as stan lee sure and so that's what his credit was Okay, and, and that stuck. Yeah, and that stuck. Yeah. And then, of course, the market is booming. All kinds of men in different colored pajamas are punching Nazis. Right. And so we need writers, writers. We need stuff, you know. And so, come on, Stanley, what else you got? And right. so he's like, what about this? What about this? And then we're creating all kinds of things. And, of course, his boss is his relative, and so he's, he's not right. going to get fired. And so he moved into management, editorial uh, at that point. And, yeah. And had 
you know, several different phases to his career because we're talking about the early days here. Mm -hmm. Then um, it's time to punch Nazis for real. Right. And so... And then he went and fought in the war. Yeah, and he went to the war and he... um, He... Actually, he was working for the uh, WPA, the Federal Theater Project. Okay. um, At that time, um, or before the uh, timely work. And so he was wanted to be a playwright, and he's you know involved in that. And so when he joined the army, he got involved with the I can't remember what it's called, but it's the um, like the film services, okay, or the, the Signal Corps basically. Okay. And so his thing was like he um, well the Signal Corps is for uh, telegraphs and communication, but he ended up in the um, film department. So they're creating propaganda but also like training films instruction this is your weapon this is your gun that type of thing and making movies that way so he got to hone his chops you know writing short scripts you know for 10 to 15 minute like film type things sure yeah okay well meanwhile yeah but jack kirby he's (laughs) he's out drawing pictures of uh german occupied french villages uh, as recon and all right he did it first yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that was his technical. His military classification was playwright. Okay. And I think there was only like a handful of people who actually ever had that actual that's classification. Classification. <laughs> that's their MOS. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. A lot of those guys, you know, Kirby, uh, Lee, you know, if you were able bodied man in your 20s working on comics, you weren't working on comics <laughs> for a couple of years the war. there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, Lee uh, Kirby was drafted. Um, I can't remember. I think I think he I think Stan volunteered. Okay. Um, and uh, there's a story about how Kirby, and I think Simon too. They knew they were probably going to get drafted. I think Kirby was drafted like 43. Okay. So in like late 41 or 42, uh, his boss was like, "Well, you guys just got to make an extra year's worth of comics." Wow. <laughs> You just got to do it in advance. Okay. Because you're going to go off to Europe. Right. And I need at least a year of stuff to run. Wow. <laughs> Whether or not you get blown up by a mortar round. Gee, <laughs> like thanks. In the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah. Super sensitive. <laughs> this is not a show about Jack Kirby. But we I know. could do a show. We should do a show about Jack Kirby. Um, we'll just do it. You know, well, we should have done it first because he did it first. And he passed away. Well, first. I'll talk about that for a second. Okay. And we're going to discuss that when we talk about the works that we've chosen to, to discuss of stands today. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people talk about how, you know, Jack Kirby got screwed. Yes. And Steve Ditko got screwed right. by Stan. And the thing that I always think of is if you've got three guys that create something, three guys made the iPhone, let's say. Uh-huh. And two of those guys leave the company to do something else. Right. And one of those guys stays with the company and puts on a turtleneck and his name's Steve Jobs. Right. Who gets the credit for the iPhone? Steve Jobs. Yeah. Nobody's like Steve Wozniak's around, but Steve Jobs gets all the credit for creating Apple. Right. Because he's still there. And also he's in the management of the company. He's like the mascot of the company. Right. Right. And so, you know, I mean, Stan came back after the war Went right back to, to Timely, which is now Atlas. Mm-hmm. And now superheroes aren't that exciting because people are sick of punching Nazis. And so right. we're doing romance comics. We're doing westerns. We're doing all that kind of stuff. And he did all that stuff. He mm-hmm. just went, 
all right, we'll do that. Right. And so now he's writing these comics and he stuck around. And so the 60s come around and it's like 1961, 1962 and Stan's 40 something. And uh, he's got a kid now and he's like, I want to quit. Why am I still doing this? Mm -hmm. And his wife, Joan, said, well, I'll tell you what. You've been telling me about all these crazy ideas. Why don't you do one more? Do it your way. And if you right. if they don't like it, they fire you. You're going to quit anyway. And apparently that's how. And that's how I created the Fantastic Four. Right. So, Which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah. he's the guy that, you know. And it's not to say that Jack Kirby didn't stick around. I mean, Jack Kirby did a lot of work all that time. But I think right. after Stan became the guy who was the editor, also the guy answering all the letters and writing the soap boxes you know he thought of himself as the creative force behind this thing mm -hmm. and you know if jack's not returning your calls and you guys are fighting and somebody asks you if you created spider-man or not you're gonna say yeah yeah i did right right and in later in his life stan especially after kirby died in 94 uh stan did everything he could to remind people that Joe Simon was working on this, you know, Steve Ditko was doing this, Jack right. Kirby was doing this, right. but I think the damage was kind of done at this point. Well, and I, and I read it recently after he passed, I think there was like some article that was written up about Lee kind of around that time and it kind of helped perpetuate the, um, the view that it was just Lee who had created such and such characters yeah. and it kind of you know helped make the way like the damage was kind of already done at that point yeah and, and it was also and i i read um the article you're talking about yeah and i read the article that it was it's referring to okay <laughs> back sure. in the 90s and yeah. a lot of it was around you know late in his life well actually all through his life but definitely late in his life kirby was trying to get money and credit for having done this right and now you bring capitalism into it and a company like marvel who doesn't want to give away any of its rights you know right. or potential money to stuff and so they're going to do everything they can to push stan as the most important part of the creative team mm -hmm. yeah right because they don't want to give you any money yeah yeah and it isn't even because this is what's so evil about capitalism maybe different show maybe different network but it's a company's doesn't get rich by giving money to two other people. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they want to protect yeah. their interests going forward. Right. If they say, sure, Jack, you can have 50% of whatever we make. Well, now Jack is worth $750 million after Infinity War. Right. Stars half the characters he created. Right. And more to come. Right. With the Eternals. Exactly. And the Fantastic Four. I know. And everybody else. Yeah. So anyway, that's... That's how I come down on that. Like, the damage was done. M monies have been paid to certain people. I know Ditko yep. d definitely died uh, last year. Um, still feeling very bitter. I think he was earlier this year. Or, excuse me, he? yeah, this year. Um, still feeling very bitter about um, the situation. And so, I feel bad for everybody who feels burned. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, it was not but a don't, great situation. Vox.com. Don't pr try to put that on Stan's head the day after he dies. I, I know. I really don't appreciate people like like dissing him like when he hasn't even been dead like for a week. It just It's just not cool. Yeah. And I'm looking at you, uh, Mr. What's his name? Bill Maher. Yeah, Bill Maher. <laughs> so edgy, like, Bill. 
seriously. That's the only way you can get hits? Yeah, I know. Like, you just diss, like, a huge, well, maybe not. But, like, you, you just diss, like, everybody who reads comic books and um, a great creator, you know. Yeah, but and Bill like, has always shot his mouth off without knowing what he's talking about. And sometimes you get, you know, a guy saying well, that guy's not wearing the emperor's naked or whatever. Right. And sometimes you get a guy, an idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. And you can blame the time that Bill grew up, the 50s, and, you know, Frederick Wortham and the seduction of the innocent and taking all the adult elements out of comics and making them just, you know, what little Darla or whatever is doing. Right. Uh, for 20, 25, 30 years infantilizing the medium so it was just for kids right i guess who knows what would have happened if that asshole had never written that book uh, who knows where we'd be mm-hmm. you know maybe comics would be more respected like has bill maher never read mouse has probably he never read not. a contract with god probably not has he read the dark knight returns i doubt it no so he doesn't know what he's talking about yeah and yeah there you go i know let's we'll talk about stan all right let's talk about stan. We forgot about stan so anyway um Whatever percentage was involved, uh, he has at least one percent in the Hulk, Thor, Iron Man, the X Men, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, Spider Man, the Inception. A lot of characters from the Avengers are from other places, but you know the idea of the Avengers, mm-hmm. uh, Stripperella, no, I'm just <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, and that doesn't even count like characters like Zombie and just like side characters that aren't. You know, marquee names. Uh, I don't know. We might get a movie these days since they're making everything into a movie. But I mean, it's just incredible. Marvel Revolution. Like the the number of characters he helped create. Yeah. Um, It it really is. And a lot of that. And I will say I've spent all this time talking about how great Stan was in his contributions. But a lot of that was also right place, right time. Yep. He. And you can, if you want to give him one thing in his, well, give him two things. Give him, he always kept going and he never gave up mm-hmm. until he was ready to give up. And you can argue that there were inklings that, and I'm not a comics historian, but you can argue that there were inklings that the market was going that way. It was ready for the X-Men. It was ready for Iron Man and Daredevil and so on and so forth. Right. But he was the guy that did it still. Yeah. And even DC, who was doing stuff like that, had to catch up once Spider-Man, you know, once the Fantastic Four were out. Like, yes. And then, this is the, where I take a little bit away from him, he did have a bullpen of writers and artists to fill in and to, to continue to create all this amazing stuff. Although, right. to be fair, he wrote 100 issues you know, of almost all those titles right. going forward, setting the stage for... 60 years of stories to come Mm -hmm. so no absolutely yeah so i mean he he really was an amazing creator in a lot of different ways yeah i had a wonderful imagination um and uh yeah i wouldn't go that far you wouldn't go that far no he he clearly did but he's also as somebody who sometimes creates stuff myself perspiration so much more valuable than imagination you think so especially in a serial medium a monthly or quarterly medium like comics just keep pumping it out okay you know what i mean and as long as you have stuff because think about how comics work is it the return of the of the something right as long as you've got something 
in your universe to draw on or another character, bring him in, cross-pollinate, just keep going. He wrote the newspaper strip, <laughs> yeah. which was no good. It's yeah. a bad example. But he still wrote the newspaper strip, the Spider-Man strip for yes. 45 years or whatever it yeah, was. So I know. as long as you just keep plugging away, yeah. uh, you'll just have something to build on. Yeah, that's it's true. not like Image Comics where you're like, we have all these cool, badass heroes that are ripoffs of other stuff, and uh, I'm bored. I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And your universe kind of falls apart. Right. No, it's not like that. No, but not Youngblood, though. No. Bad Rock will always be there for us. So we wanted to talk about some th- some of Stan's many, many, many creations. Yes. But not the names that I just named. Right. <laughs> things that you wouldn't necessarily have heard of. Mm-hmm. And things that would even predate, you know, his... Uh, his golden years uh, with uh, working with Kirby, you know, sure. in the early '60s. Yep. And so we came up with a couple, couple yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about uh, the Destroyer? Yeah, let's talk about the Destroyer. <laughs> the enemy of dictators. Yes. I, Which I, is potatoes that look like penises. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the Destroyer. Uh, back in the early days, when it was called Timely Comics, mm-hmm. uh, they had a. Um, a title called Mystic Mystic Comics. Yes. And at this time, they were anthology stories. Yep. Like this is how we got like Batman and Detective Comics. You know, mm-hmm. I, I haven't read Detective Comics 39 or whatever it was in a while, but Batman was in there, but so was some other stuff. Sure. Yep. And you get the same thing with these old things. And so the lead story in uh, Mystic Comics number six was the story of the Destroyer. Yes. Came out in October of 1941. Yeah. So we're not so, in the war yet. No, we're not. Close. But we're fighting Nazis well, in the comic this, books. this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he goes over to Germany. He's a reporter, I believe. Keen Marlowe. Yeah. And he is imprisoned for trying to get, like, information and stuff like that. He gets imprisoned by the Nazis, I believe, in this prison camp. Yeah. And a professor. He's a newspaper reporter. Yeah. And a Where professor. Where come from? I know. Does he wear glasses? <laughs> and a professor gets put into the same cell as him. Yeah. And he won't share his secret with the Nazis. But he's, he's got a serum. Yeah. Also sounds familiar. Yeah. So he gives the serum to, uh, what was his name again? Keen Marlowe. Keen Marlowe, yes. <laughs> I don't know. The guy's Keen. mother was English, okay? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, possibly shades of, you know, Stan's real life. Joan, his wife, was English and married an American. Uh, her first husband was an American serviceman. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. Although that was in like 47, though, right? I don't know. Was he married at that time? That is a good question. Yeah. Um, Maybe he just had a... No, he didn't marry Joan until 47. Oh, okay. So he was an Anglophile. I guess so. Yeah. Um, so um, he gives the serum to to Marlowe, and he has to give him a specific code to take the serum so it doesn't poison him. Yeah, it's in like a capsule that is rigged to blow if you yeah. open it wrong or something. Exactly. It's complicated. Um, and so he takes the serum, and when he takes the serum, he becomes the destroyer. Well, he becomes... Captain America. Right. <laughs> basically. Right. But then he decides to put on whew, this is a reach. I, a, is a this a reference costume. to something? Yeah. It's he's got pinstripe pants. Mm-hmm. Uh he's got a skull and bones. That's cool on his uh, on his face. On his thing. You can not yeah. trademarkable, but and then he's got like a 
like a cowl type hat thing. Yeah. It's apparently like a full mask, but then it's got like a pointed hat and then like wingy ear type things. Yeah. And it's, and it's a tunic. He looks otherworldly. He looks weird. He looks almost like a um, like a court jester or, or something like that. It's sort of okay. like, a, like a doublet. And yeah. Doesn't he have like big like boots like the 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 part that goes around his legs are kind of like swashbuckling boots <laughs> say that one more time swashbuckling boots <laughs> swashbuckling boots yeah, yeah i think he's got swashbuckling boots all right yeah oh that's the wrong destroyer there oh the image that i'm pulling up <laughs> yeah yeah wasn't that from uh thor the first movie Yes, that's the destroyer armor. Yes. No, this is the typical uh, flared gloves. Yes. And then also boots. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he's just got. He's got. He's a just got. You know, tough. He's he's tough. He's yeah, strong. Yeah. He's faster, stronger. Like can pull Work a punch it, more. Make it. Yeah. Yeah. And he hates Nazis. And he hates Nazis. That's he hates right. dictators. That's true. What do you think about the German b- pigeon in this? <laughs> You mean like the way they spoke if German? The, if the American come mit me. me. <laughs> I mean, as long as I could understand it, I thought it was yeah, fine. Yeah, it was real on the line. So, I mean, there were some words I'm like, well, I don't speak German, so I don't know what the heck that means. Yeah, right, right. So, but, I mean, as long as I could make it out, I was like, yeah, I guess this is fine. Yeah. Jack Bender, uh, who's uh, uh, brothers with uh, Otto and... Um, the other vendor who did Captain Marvel for okay. years um, was the uh, artist. Okay. On this. I really love the art. Uh, it's very kinetic in that sort of um, what would Kirby esque style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is intentional, but he's you can't draw a swastika. He's drawing it backwards. That's fine. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> but swastikas are all backwards. Uh, that's fine. Um, yeah. And it's. Uh, it's what it's a lot like if you've ever read Captain America of this time. It's I very was similar. Gonna say, it's, it's just it's nonstop. He's like, "You, I'm gonna get you, Ratsies. and then he's like, "Ach du lieber Captain, now you've fallen on the trapdoor." Oh no! Right. And then he's got to swim through the alligator thing, and then he comes up later and he throws an alligator in the guy's face. Oh no! An alligator in right. face. And, right. Yeah, it's just like just keeps going. He like, I think he um, doesn't he like, uh. Get the guys back who like had captured him and the professor and stuff like that. And then he's like, Well, I'm all done with that. You know, like he's gonna, and he's like, I think I'll stick around and keep fighting the Nazis. So I'm gonna stay over in Germany. Right. Doesn't he get a sidekick who never ends up doing anything? I don't think I read that part. Is that, uh, is that this? Like he rescues a, a woman named Florence? Oh, I mean, I think he rescues somebody, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember her fighting. No, she doesn't fight. She doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, she's just like an agent, and you think like, oh, okay, maybe she's going to like help him out. And he goes, all right, well, you're safe. She's like, right. And he's like, oh, I got to check this out. She's like, okay. And she just kind of, at there? least in the first issue, she just kind of stands around. It's like, oh, Yeah, great. don't they get something in on the radio? And he's like, I've got to go. She's like, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm helping. Should I cook or something? Somehow, or, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah he, um, he, the, one of his early antagonists is uh, the Scar. Oh, yes. Who creates this ray that will just instantly kill you. And, and he's the only one who can operate it. There's, well, it's, uh, yeah, it's DRM. Uh, right. There's no comics code, 
but we're not going nuts with it. No. Right? This isn't like what ha- like the f- early 50s, like the specter, like turning men into human candles and then lighting them and then just screaming as they melt. Oh, my <laughs> like gosh. It's not that thing just yet. No. Uh, but yeah, but so he is stopping these Nazis, but stopping them by, oh, punching them up real good. Right. But yeah, um, this guy's got a ray. And remember, this is a, we're not in the war yet. Yeah. And the book actually makes a point of this. One of the reasons that Keen Marlowe goes over there is that we don't have any information about what's happening. You'll notice there are no stories about him, say, liberating a concentration camp because right. we don't know there are concentration camps. That's true. And so all the only information we get is from the German propaganda service. And so he's literally just going over there to go like, I'm going to write some stories about like what's happening over here. And they're right. like, you shall not. Right. Nein. And so, yeah, um, the scar is <laughs> hired by the Nazis to use his death ray on people who want food. <laughs> the I know, German that's citizens terrible. who are like, please give us more rations. We're starving. And he's like, right. zap, dead. I know. It's awful. Yeah. And like, and re- the- remember, we're not in the war. I know. And there are a lot of American elements that are saying, just leave it. It's a European war. Just right. leave it. Right. But Stan Lee is a Jew from Washington Heights. And he's like, screw that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Excelsior. Right. I'm going to hurt these guys. Yeah. Well, and then the destroyer's like, I bet we're going to find him at another food line. <laughs> Let's take out this this, yeah. food, this this line where they're handing out clothes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. So and, anyway, um, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, Very Captain America. There is, yes. Uh, as were a lot of the heroes uh, that show up in the pages of Mystic. Um, in this book alone, there was also a story... Um, about Black Marvel. Yep. Who is a Superman figure, basically. Right. A guy named the Terror, who. Yes, who's kind of. A Batman kind of guy. Yeah. His face uh, becomes like a like a vampire zombie's yes. face when he gets angry. Yes. Uh, like just physically turns. Yeah. And then uh, Blazing Skull, who's kind of another Captain America esque kind of character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They're um bound, they're trying a lot of stuff out. Yeah. They're bouncing a lot of uh, stuff around. Um, He didn't create uh, those characters, (laughs) but he did create characters uh, like Jack Frost and Father Time at this time. Uh, Post-war, he comes back and it's all it's all romance now. Mm -hmm. Uh, People don't want superheroes. They want other stuff. Yep. And so he creates a character uh, called Nellie the Nurse. Uh, It's a lot of girls with uh, alliterative uh, rhyming jobs. Yes. <laughs> and one of the uh, characters that he created um, at this time was called uh, Millie. Millie the model. I thought you told me he didn't create Millie the he model. He didn't create Millie the model, but he wrote most of everything you would know as Millie the model's story and backstory. Okay. She okay. was actually created by an uh, artist called Ruth Atkinson. All right. And she also uh, created uh, Patsy Walker, co-created Patsy Walker. Okay. Yeah. She was um, really one of the unsung first great uh, female comic artists from the 40s and 50s. Uh, She retired when she got married, (laughs) as women do. It's horrible. Uh, But yeah, she created uh, Millie the Model. Uh, She created um, Patsy Walker, like I said, uh, who was another... She wasn't Hellcat at this time. Sure. Um, But uh, but didn't really write for the characters. And so Stan wrote most of the stuff. Now, we wanted to read some of the original Millie comics from the 40s. Right. Um, 
but we couldn't mm-hmm. because the romance comics, at least uh, at that time, you know, they're not Captain America. They're not um, even the Destroyer, you know, or right. uh, th- things like that. So they're not collected. Right. Collectors didn't collect them. No. And you have to remember at this time, collectors were barely a thing. They weren't really a thing. It wasn't until... It wasn't a thing for comics. Uh, read Comic Shop, Dan Garino's book. You know, it wasn't until later on that people start thinking of, oh, let's hold on to these things. Right. They could I've be been, worth something. I've been reading early uh, issues of Doom Patrol uh, mm-hmm. and from the uh, Silver Age, and you read the uh, letters page, and half of the letters page is just them publishing calls from readers hey i got 89 93 102 and 107 uh, what do you got and people trying to and publishing people's addresses which you'd never do now i know it's Just so weird trying to set people up you know with other people who want to collect these things yeah so we couldn't do that because it right. didn't exist but the first millie stuff that i could get my hands on uh was from 56 okay uh when marvel was atlas uh it's the series a date with millie Yes. Which is a sort of reintroduction to what's going on with Millie yes. in the 50s. What is going on with Millie in the 50s? Um, she's a fashion model, so she's modeling a lot of clothes. Um, I thought it was interesting kind of going off of what you said. Um, with Millie, the, it would be like dress designed by and it would have somebody's name and their home address. Yeah, they would accept re- reader designs for the yeah. clothes. And that was like in almost every panel. It yeah. was like... Her design by, and then like, who is her friend who is kind of a jerk? I can't remember her name. Clicker? No. Oh, her boyfriend's Clicker Holbrook. Yeah. Uh, Chili Storm. Chili Storm. That's it. Yeah. She's kind of a a bleep. Um, (laughs) Whoa. But, uh, you know, she's very jealous of Millie and uh, doesn't hide it. And Millie's kind of sassy back to her. Yeah, every heroine or or even hero had to have a... um, a foil like that. Yeah. A villain. I, you know, I really enjoyed, I can't remember what they call it now, but they had, uh, there were a couple of like, Millie was mostly like one page like issues. It's almost all just yeah, six panel, one page thing. Yeah. That's a thing that would go down to um, Archie Comics as well. Yes. Uh, in the in the fifties, um, of course, the art on Date with Millie is by Dan DiCarlo. So the guy who didn't the, he didn't create the Archies, but he his vo- uh, visual style defined or came to define absolutely. what the Archies would be. And, and it, so, it did remind me of that. So yeah. that, that is interesting. And that was pretty typical, I think, for these comedy or, or romance comics. Well, not romance comics, but like these comedy comics at the time. Um, it would just be punchline yeah like these sort of mad magazine kind of setups well and i really enjoyed they had a couple of of different ones that were like four panels so they were like fourth of a page Mm -hmm. and they would they were rhyming like they rhymed and and they were and they were clever and then it would be like a joke at the end yeah and there was one about how she really liked wedding rings and that sort of thing and, and isn't that great and then clicker was talking about getting her a ring and she was so excited and then it was like from a carousel or yeah, something the, like that the, yeah right <laughs> so um but i really enjoyed that i thought that was like really clever and kind of fun yeah um so yeah i really like that part there's other it. characters that kind of come by um my girl pearl uh, comes by. She also had her own series. Chile got her own series later on too. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just 
I, I'm sure that you can go out and go, hey, guys, I need a rhyme for ring. Right. But this is 40 pages, and it's Stan. He's doing all the jokes. Yeah. You know, he's writing all this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they do, like, little like Family Circus or New Yorker cartoon one-panel type things. Yes. And so it's like... Funny, 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 joke, 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 joke. Yeah, and it was a quick, fun, easy read. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. So, Not going to yeah. change anybody's life? No. <laughs> it certainly didn't. It's not earth shattering. No. But. Model no more. <laughs> <laughs> Millie throws the dress in the trash can and she's oh, no. walking down the alley. Right, right. Um, so In dungarees. Whoa. Whoa, she really doesn't want to be a model I anymore. I guess not. Yeah. Um, no, but I thought it was it was a fun read. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish we got to read some of the earlier stuff, but yeah, I wanted to read some of the more romantic, uh, soapy type stuff too. Sure. You know, or like they're being chased by spies or something like that. Sure. A lot of that stuff, guys like um, Roy Thomas and Denny O'Neill cut their teeth doing that. Okay. Um, in the fifties. Um, so I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll do a Millie show someday. Okay. Talk about her all the time. <laughs> Uh, let's move on to another female hero uh, created by Stan um, from the pages of All Select Comics, going back to 1946. Mm-hmm. Uh, All Select Comics, issue number 11. This is with Timely Comics. A character called Louise Grant Mason, a.k.a. the Blonde Phantom. Yes. Co-created with artist Cy Shores. Yes. She wears a slinky red dress. <laughs> With or her midriff cut out. Uh, it's it's vaguely um, uh, Asian. I'm trying to think no. it, for the period. Oriental would be okay yeah. to say. It's not really. Don't say that now. Yeah. Um. And then she wears a black mask, kind of like domino a domino mask. A, a what? Domino mask. It's yeah. Called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why. Yeah. And can't tell she's his secretary because she's not wearing glasses and she's wearing a mask. It's very Wonder Woman. Yeah, it <laughs> Just, is. You know, there's a lot of appropriation going on. Uh, and to be fair, uh, Diana Prince uh, really liked that Steve Trevor, too, when she yeah. wasn't uh, getting tied up or uh, tying somebody up. Right, exactly. Yeah, she works for Mark Mason yes. of the OSS, yes, which was the military intelligence division it's like the CIA, basically, mm-hmm. back then. And they're trying to foil spies and no-goodniks and evildoers yep. and that whole thing. And I should say that uh, Cy Shores was like, I'm trying to think of things, if he created anything himself. He basically, uh, when Kirby, before Kirby uh, left, got in a fight with Goodman and left Marvel, uh, he was like a backup for Kirby. Like he was a finisher or inker and so kind of cut his teeth, you know, being aping Kirby style backing up Kirby sure and then he would continue to do that when Kirby came back to Marvel in the 60s mm-hmm. um, and as a character I like Blonde Phantom now <laughs> Millie still exists in the Marvel Universe somewhere right they have actually brought the Destroyer back he's actually been a couple different guys in sort of the legacy hero style okay sure and I think Roy Thomas or somebody did a Invaders comic in the 70s the Invaders are the 1940s heroes that like fought they're invading germany they fought okay hitler or whatever sure so it'd be human torch submariner why namor cares about human wars who knows the nazis threw more trash in the ocean than the (laughs) allies do uh and then the destroyer and things like that so okay um yeah guy can throw fire guy's superhumanly strong guy punches people right come on along destroyer right at least Miss America can fly. Right. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah, but I like the Blonde Phantom. I like the um, spy aspect of it. Yeah, I do too. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if this works or not, but I think a modern reading of it, it's not so sexist. <laughs> Back then, female hero who's in love with her boss and right. can only, uh, is this perfume? <laughs> can only apply uh, female-related things to the mission. Maybe not great. Right. But looking back and going, okay, now that women can vote and everything, everything's fine. Maybe it's okay to have a female character who is concerned about things that traditionally you would go, well, why does she care about her boss? I don't know. She likes her boss. He's a, right. like a strong guy. He's a patriot. Right. All the reasons that you would... You look for in a boyfriend or whatever. Right. Uh, and maybe she uses her wiles. Like, I like the fact that there's this big society party and she just goes as the blonde phantom. Yeah, I know. And people are like, wow, the blonde phantom's here. She's like, that's right, boys, line up. <laughs> She's, you know, <laughs> sort of using this character to put people off their guard and to infiltrate, you know, these sort of things in, in, in that way. Yes. No, definitely. She does get knocked out and tied up twice. She does. But she's not. That's what Mason's for. He's the two-fisted puncher. You know? Right. She's going to figure out the clues. Right. I like that. Yeah. And she gets caught in the first story that we read because her dress gets snagged <laughs> yeah, well, on something. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, she was getting away. And then not, her not, not great. And flaky dress <laughs> yeah. just, woo. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's, um, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Hazards of the job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but they, I like the fact that they were partners. Yeah. And... I like the fact that he works officially for the OSS and she just shows up. It's sort of she like, um, it's like Batman and Gordon. Like Gordon's like, Oh, we got to check out this crime scene. And Batman who does not work for the police department is like, Jim, look under his fingernails for whatever. Right. And he's like, Oh, thanks Batman. It's like that. Like the blonde Phantom shows up and he's like, Oh, I'm glad you're here. Check this out. I've got this. And what do you think this means? And she's just consulting, you know, it's right. I think it's a neat dynamic. Yeah. Well, like in the first story, she tells him, you know, check the type of water in so-and-so's right. lungs yeah. because it's probably not river water. Yeah, they find this guy, they think that he's had an accident and drowned, mm -hmm. and she does the thing which, you know, nowadays on CSI we would have thought of immediately. Right. But, uh, yeah, like, check out his, the water in his lungs. You know, I don't think, I think he was drowned in a lake instead of in a river or whatever. Right. Yeah. That it was like, she said, like, it was tap water or something yeah. like that. right. But, yeah, and... They were able to narrow down where they thought she would be right. by like use the that. water. Yeah. So. So it's you know it's it's give and take. Mm-hmm. And I also like the fact that <laughs> it's, it's not great, but one of the bad guys is a is a sexy woman who likes Mark and she wants right. to, to defeat her because she's evil, but also because <laughs> she doesn't want her to get Mark. Right, and she was like, "Am I being too jealous?" Like she was like trying <laughs> yeah. to check herself, and like I, I don't know. I just it feels human to me. Yeah, like we now you've got the whole cliche of like I'm a tough lady and I don't care, and also I can bench press a building and I'm gonna punch right. somebody else. And right, that's fine. But I, I just liked it. You may not like all the dimensions, but she has you know three dimensions she's got more yeah. than more she's more than 2d yeah no for sure i enjoyed the blonde i'm fandom. sure they ruin it at some point oh i'm sure they in do in the same way that they ruin rita for me 
I know. I'm sorry about that. She's what what hurts about it is or is not knowing. If they just went ahead and changed Elastigirl into a cake baking, you know, Dumbo, that'd be fine. But they keep you on this razor's edge. Like they've married her off to Mento now. I'm reading Silver Age uh, yeah. Patrol. And but and so there's the argument about, you know, Steve Mento is like no woman of mine's going to be running around fighting Monsieur Mama or whatever. Right. And so she's, but she's like, all right, honey. So like, he, and she runs out and does it anyway. So like he's sexist, but she doesn't let it stop her. So I'm like, is that sexist? Right. <laughs> I don't really know. Right. It's kind of frustrating. I'm not one over yet. Okay. They'll be dead soon. I'm only about, about a dozen episodes away from their last from issue. When they'll be dead. I'll have an update on that later. All right. Let's move to the big one. Okay. So as we were researching this, I was looking, uh, which characters should we do? Mm-hmm. And I came up with Millie the Model and discovered that Stan didn't create Millie the Model. Right. Um, I wanted to stay away from co-creations with Kirby, but I thought, how could we pass up 1962s or 63s uh, Howling Commandos? Yeah. Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos. Yes. The origin of one Sergeant Nick Fury. Yes. With he, no eye patch. That no. comes later. Yeah, that does come later. So, and this is post FF, so the Kirby League team is kicking. Yep. Uh, it's also post World War Two, mm-hmm. so now you've got two guys who were literally in World War Two <laughs> coming back right. to write stories, stories about, about World War Two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice they don't do the if the prisoner does not do the <laughs> they don't do that stuff anymore. No, not really. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean they're just like kicking butt. Um. I didn't really recognize any of the Howling Commandos except for Dum Dum Dugan. So I don't know if like they changed the lineup over the years or like. They do some. Some of the characters um, make it through. Um, Gabriel uh, is uh, is still around, I think, or has or was a while ago. Um, th- th- there's definitely like, like if you read something like Secret Warriors, like Hickman did Secret Warriors and he made sure to include Dino and, and Gabriel and Junior and like, okay. to show probably the horrible lives or horrible deaths that they all experienced at the hands of Hydra, you know, right. after the war. Um, right. But yeah, those characters are around still. Okay. I mean, in Captain America, like, were any of them besides Dum Dum Dugan? Am I just not remembering correctly? Oh, you mean like in the, in the film? MCU films? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. But again... We don't have a connection to that still. Yeah. Because we haven't dropped the, the shoe yet. The shoe yet? On Samuel Jackson. Oh, yeah, I know. Being in World War II. I know. When are we going to do it? I don't know. When are we going to do it? I don't know. Say what again? Say I don't know again. <laughs> so I wish they would. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. What'd you think? I mean, I'd ask you what the plot was, but sergeant and, and the and the commandos fight nazis, foil the nazis. yeah <laughs> that's the plot and they do it for like 40 pages yeah it goes on for a long time uh and they are trying to save a prisoner who knows the day and location of d-day right and which they're trying the nazis are trying to get that info from him right and he's like no i'll never tell you and they maybe the existence of d-day yeah <laughs> the fact that we are going to invade right uh you know otherwise just be ready all the time I guess. right right but yeah whatever and the the Nazis supposedly have his daughter, but then he finds out that that was that false she is part of La Resistance. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, and she helps the commandos get there and everything. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. Like, Sergeant Fury is just this unstoppable brick house force. Right. Um, who... I like how they, they do the thing, too, where uh, he yells, but it's so loud it's not in a word balloon. You know, he'll just... Uh, he's get these gold brickers off their asses and let's do this. And, I then, know. and then there's such a panel where Dum uh, uh, Dum's just like Covering holding his, his head on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then there's just like a. Ah! <laughs> oh, you know what? Um, Agent Carter has some of these characters. Oh, okay. And you said before I wasn't um, uh, I wasn't thinking, but yeah, I bet some of these characters are the characters in uh, First Avenger. Okay. That's but, what I was wondering. Yeah, but of course, none of them survive to the present day. In Marvel Comics, we've come up with excuses why a lot of them are still alive. Because, right. of course, they all make it to, uh, in the mid to late 60s, we've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Nick Fury Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so it's of late 40s, but it doesn't matter because I've got the Infinity Formula, Fury, working right. with an older Gabe. Dum Dum, who they must give him the infinity formula because he never ages. Like he's still just <laughs> Dum Dum. So I don't know. Okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was great. I mean, but like, like I said, I think just Sergeant Fury is just kind of this unstoppable force, which is a not little much of a character just yet. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he gets rubble, like just completely covered with rubble, and when everybody else, it looks like they're gonna be at their last he like throws like a grenade or whatever yep, and like pretty much every issue yep <laughs> yeah yep. Uh, it's uh it's a revisionist look at world war ii yeah <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. yeah with a uh multicultural team of right. uh, commandos yeah right. although color gabriel as lightly as you can uh yes. to not offend uh racist readers right uh, but he still plays the trumpet yeah i yeah <laughs> i know yeah. Well, anyway. Hey, your name's Gabriel. Yeah. What are you going to pick up? The clarinet? No, I don't, I don't think so. so. Uh, you're not Jack Benny. Okay, <laughs> okay, pal. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, he does that for a while. Uh, Holly Commandos was always, I think, kind of like a second in line to like Sergeant Rock and over okay. at DC. Okay. Which started in like 58 or 59. Okay. So it's kind of coming up after that. But it's like... We've got a long tradition of World War II heroes at Marvel or right. Timely, and so why don't we have uh, a World War II book? Right. And we're not going to do a Vietnam book. No. Uh, so, yeah. So then, of course, as soon as we can, we turn that into flying cars and spy stuff as soon as James Bond starts to break out. Sure. Yeah. Which, that's not, we're not talking about that this issue, but no. if you want to read some weird tales... About Doctor Strange doing stuff, yeah, and uh, Jim Steranko just killing it uh, with some Nick Fury action. Uh, check that stuff out for okay. sure. Yeah, all right, good stuff. Um, last one. Last one. Let's go back to the old old west. Yes. Uh, not that far back though. Right. Uh, eighteen forty-eight. Yeah. Instead, or nineteen forty-eight instead of right. eighteen forty-eight, and talk about Clay Harder, the Two Gun Kid. The Two Gun Kid. Yep. He has two guns, and he sings about it. <laughs> he sings a dumb song about it. Yeah, he does. Don't quit your the day job you're currently doing, Stan. Yeah. <laughs> what? Tell me about the two-gun kid. <laughs> he has a horse named Cyclone. He does. Um, He comes into this town like a whirlwind. 
And is this the song? Are you yeah, singing the song? I know. He wishes he had four guns. Yeah, I know. But he, he only has two hands. Yeah. And I'm like, teach your horse to shoot guns. <laughs> just, just strap him to your horse. Right. He like goes into the saloon, I think, with his horse. Yes. Which is yes. strange. Yes. Like you're introducing yourself to this town in a strange way there, guy. Well, oh, I forgot whenever. to mention, uh, not to, sorry to interrupt, uh, in the uh, Helen Commandos, there were some um, backup stories too, wasn't there? There was a Miss America story. Yeah, I think so. And a character called Mr. Wu that I don't really want to talk about besides or just was saying that? Mr. Wu. Was that? Or no, sorry. Yeah. I that meant, was in, um, in the... Um, all select in all yes. select yeah yeah no there's not enough room we, we're just With howling, the howling commandos. commandos yeah yeah there's miss america who's like a female superman basically right and uh mr Wu, who's is charlie jan he's just charlie jan yeah basically yeah. so anyway yeah um yeah he brings his horse into <laughs> the saloon yep and there are um there are two uh two gun kid stories in this first issue that we read of mm-hmm. uh, two gun kid number one yep from march of 48 um, and if you think in both stories, uh, Two Gun uh, rolls into town, and there's a guy in a waistcoat that's bullying people around, right? And he shoots Two Gun in the left arm, and Two Gun shoots his hand to make him drop his gun. In both stories, you're right. <laughs> now, as far as the uh, other fill-in uh, story about the sheriff. Um, can't say. Didn't read that one. Right. Got to read those two gun kid stories. Right. That's I right. I bet it was pretty similar. Yeah, I bet it was too. Yeah. Similar tone. Um, this is all. This is a Jack Kirby too. I think. Was it? Yeah, I don't. Or it might have been Dick Ayers, but it's one of those two. Okay. Um, it's hard to tell because I think Kirby is still. It's not all square faces and that one splayed hand that the Watcher does. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting down on Jack Kirby. I love Jack Kirby. I know. But it's still early, and I think he's trying stuff. and so. But, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Jack Kirby. Okay. Unless I'm wrong. All right. Well, and then he, like... Would you read a whole bunch of these? Maybe. I mean, it kind of reminds me of Deadwood in some ways. Um, (laughs) Does it? Well, I mean, it's the West. I don't know. Yeah. And there's somebody bullying people. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I guess. So I guess um, a lot of this is I think Stan was thinking about like the Gene Autry, uh, you know, at musical at Roy Rogers esque characters. You know, it's not like two gun pulls out a guitar or anything like that. No. But he definitely sees himself as a, a traveling musician, a t- troubadour and, and yeah. tumbleweed that, you know, can't be held down. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He like. The bully in the first one, like he, like you said, he shoots his hand and um, he goes on this rickety bridge with his fiance who was trying to flee him and he was trying to hurt her. And the two gun kid is like, well, I can only save one of you, so I'm going to save the girl. Yeah, it's another like uh, uh, gravity was the the, uh, co murderer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm not going to kill you but i'm not, not gonna, gonna save, save you, you batman yeah. yeah 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 so well good yeah and the, an the girl thanks him yeah yeah guy's an asshole yeah Deserve he it. was but what about the power vacuum in that town I know. <laughs> now what well now will he get some service from the blacksmith now that, that guy's dead <laughs> hey i killed your boss yeah can i get my horse shod now can i stay at your hotel now yeah right yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, 
five different books, five completely different heroes. I mean, if anything, you could say that these heroes are slightly derivative. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why they didn't break out um, like something like Iron Man or sure. Thor. I mean, Thor is literally to him he's the gun you know right mythological figure right but still um yeah i mean he's clearly inventive he's clearly willing to work in different genres do a lot of things Mm -hmm. and i think that's just that thing of somebody's gonna do this right (laughs) i'm just gonna i just gotta do this we people are thirsty for content we need x amount of books to fill out this order right (laughs) so just what do we got do this do this right he must have written quite a a few books each time like each month each week oh yeah you know i think he was probably a very busy he wanted to be a novelist you know so bad and ended up doing this instead he ended up doing comics did he ever write a novel that's a good i was looking at that okay i'm sure that he co-wrote books about you know i have a million books that have Stan Lee's face on them sure it's like Stan Lee's guide the superheroes right or, or whatever it is but yeah I don't I can't think of anything that he wrote he must have he he must have right yeah. I don't know maybe he maybe look for Stanley Lieber yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, I was thinking about the, the wasp and Ant-Man and boy mm-hmm. so much stuff yeah I know it's a lot of stuff Anything else to say about Stan the Man Lee? Um, I mean, we're gonna. I think there. Whether he's here or not, we're gonna be talking about him for. I know. For as long as we're doing this, I for think years. that there's a a big hole left in, you know, the comic book community with him him gone, and to some extent, the Marvel movie um, franchise. Well, I think it's funny that for all of the things that he created. Um, for as long as he's been around mm-hmm. and so, as much as he's done for comics and the industry, more people know his name, his face from the films yeah, than ever right. did from the comics. Yeah, you're and absolutely that speaks right. a lot to the power of the medium of film. Mm-hmm. Um, even the people who remember him, you know, oh, he would do the intros and outros for uh the amazing Spider-Man show, you know, the not super friends, what were they called? The spider friends. Sure. Um, or the fantastic four Iron Man shows, you know, it'd be like, we hope, Hey, true believers. We open on a, on a, a dark night in the city. You know what, what lurks in store? We'll find out. Right. This, this human drama. Uh, yeah. And he'd always be talking about something doing, I don't know, copy that he might've wrote. I don't know. Right. <laughs> he right. might've been riffing off the top of his head. Right. Um, and I think it's interesting too how you know they recorded um, quite a few of his cameos uh, before he passed. Yeah. So he's going to have cameos in the next upcoming Marvel films, like at least the What's next the last three. One? Do you plan a last one? I don't know. Do we I talk d- about how what I think they should do? And this is way way too soon. Mm. Do the thing where. Whatever the final battle is, you know, um, we we have Thanos kill him. Oh, <laughs> and it's really just there's so much bloodless. Uh, hold on, keep keep the blood out. But yeah. there's so much consequenceless, victimless violence in these films. You know, That's and true. so we know that Thanos has, through his actions, caused half the universe to disappear and essentially right. die. But like, what if there's some kind of big fight and 
there's a real human cost to this last fight. Like they're fighting Captain Marvel shows up and they're fighting Thanos on earth and like they're trying to save people, but things are being destroyed and we're getting, we've all been soured on this after man of steel, but a sort of taste of the man of steel sort of violence where it's like, this is too much. We right. kill him. Whatever we do, we've got to stop this guy now. Right. And you know, Stanley stands up to him in a kind of, never two men like you you know kind of right. thing like from avengers and right. he's like all right i mean there goes stanley that would be really sad and then we're like oh shit you know this is real right it's kind of in the way that stan sometimes did it's kind of borrowing from a dc moment in yeah. the superman the animated series when you've got the character of dan turpin who is based on jack kirby uh and he's a cop you know and he uh works in metropolis and like dark side comes in and basically starts to take over earth and he's got Superman under mind control. And so they've got no defender and he's like, give up. I want really your world now. <laughs> I don't know why cookie monster is playing the role of dark side. And uh, Dan <laughs> Turpin's like, whatever you do, we're going to stop you. We'll fight to our last breath. And he's like, so be it. And <laughs> Dan Turpin explodes. Oh man. And everybody's like, Oh shit. <laughs> this just got really real. Sure. That would have been just uh, not too long after it might've been before Kirby died. Oh, really? So maybe just one more time, steal something from Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Not for real, though. No. So anyway, I don't know. For me, it, it's, I just don't know how to feel, and I, don't, I still think I haven't processed it. And as far as the impact of it, yeah, we're all watching these movies based on stuff that he created, but mm -hmm. he hasn't really created anything. For a long important time. in 40, 40 years, maybe more. Oh, that's true. So it's just like, yeah, it's it's weird to not have him gone, but it's almost weirder that nothing's going to change, really. You yeah. know what I mean? You feel like the sun should stop or something like that. Right. And the truth is that, you know, he hasn't really been relevant for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, as a brand ambassador, he's not a lot. And I think that's been great, but... Glad that we went to see him that time that we did. I am too. Yeah. I'm very grateful. Um, you know, we were very lucky to have gotten to hear some of his stories. Tell live. those stories <laughs> one I, more time. I think it was the Spider Man story. Have I, I told my Stanley story on the show? I don't know if you have. I'll tell it really quick. Uh, I was at the Chicago Comic Con, I think before it was a Wizard Con in the mid 90s. Mm -hmm. And I was there with a friend of mine who studied at the Joe Kubert School. For people who don't know, Joe Kubert, famous Marvel artist, uh, created Kazar and uh, a lot of other stuff. And basically the fact that the, the school is in Dover, New Jersey, which is right across the river from New York, which is Marvel, uh, meant that a lot of your teachers and faculty would be creators at the time, people mm -hmm. who were creating. So you'd be taught by this guy or that guy. Um, my friend knew uh, Andy and Adam Kubert, the sons of Joe Kubert, who went on to, of course, be creators in their own right. Sure. And so when he went to Chicago Comic-Con, instead of us just looking for um, bootleg <laughs> Dragon Ball DVDs, or there wasn't even DVDs back then, VHS tapes, or whatever, um, we were going from table to table. And I, he mm -hmm. was like... Oh, this is uh, Alex Ross. Uh, oh, <laughs> nice to meet you, Alex Ross. Or, right. Hey, this is Jim Kruger. It's Billy Tucci. It's Joe Casado. All these guys who were hot names, th you know, then, but mm -hmm. are even bigger names now. And at one point, uh, we were hanging out as the con was closing, and so people are closing up their booths, and really only like creators are still around. 
and there Joe Casada comes back and he's talking with us and he's like, Hey, we're all going out to dinner. We're going to go uh, get some steak uh, across the way. So, you know, come out if you guys want to come out, it's going to be a ton of people there. So we're like this, this is amazing. And he says, Stan is going to be there. Right. We're going to get a chance to meet Stan Lee. Right. And have dinner with him. And we are, <clears throat> we're in 20, 21, early twenties. You know, we've got, we had 200 bucks when we started this trip right. <laughs> across the Midwest. And we probably got 50 bucks now. If, if that, that. After yeah. buying um, Ghost in the Shell scale models and, and whatever else we got. And so we drive over to this steakhouse and I'm getting more and more nervous as we get closer to the steakhouse. And we finally pull into the parking lot of the steakhouse and I'm even more nervous. And it was in a, um, it wasn't like just a restaurant. It was in like the basement of this like office building. Mm-hmm. We go into the lobby and I'm more nervous and I'm like, I don't know. Um, do we have enough money? I don't like. I don't know if we can. We can do this. Should we? I mean, can we eat with Stanley? This is so strange. Um, will I scream at him for stealing things from Kirby? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, and we start to uh, go down. The, there was a spiral staircase to go into this steakhouse, and mm-hmm. I can like, smell the steak now. Sure. We're going down this spiral staircase, and I don't know why this bugged me, but there were like there is in many steakhouses on the wall. Pictures of famous people right. who have eaten there and then said, yo, Vinny, keep it medium rare for me or, you know, uh, Tony Bennett or whatever. Right. What's a lie. We know Tony Bennett eats them. Well done <laughs> with ketchup. Uh, and so we're going down and I'm seeing these other famous people and it's igniting even more the the, the, the nervousness and anxiety in me about right. meeting a famous person. And we finally hit like the last step of the spiral staircase and I'm like. Oh, we gotta go. I, I, yeah, I can't do this. Uh, I think I spent too much money on that Shaolin soccer tape or whatever. Uh, yeah, we, we should probably go. I don't think that we can. Uh, I gotta go. I gotta go. He's like, sure, there's right over there. Uh, no, we're gonna go. And so we left. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, we did not. We went back. Uh, drove back to the um, to the Motel Six uh, on the other side of the train tracks where we were staying, <laughs> and uh, I think I fell asleep reading. Um, that one uh, Batman annual where he fights the the ba- the, the crime Batman. Okay. <laughs> His parents were killed by cops. Great. Uh, yeah, we did not meet Stan Lee on that day. No, that's that's too bad. Yeah. The, Would it be a better story the day if we that had? Might have been. It might have been a better story if you had. If he had signed my face and <laughs> he had uh, created a sidekick for Stripperella, uh, called uh, Nervous Boy or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, but the thing was, is that he would do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And if everybody here is here because of you and they're definitely picking up the check because this is before (laughs) Marvel's bankrupt at this point or nearly bankrupt, then of course you would do that. Mm -hmm. But what always got me about him is that from anybody you talk to, that's the kind of guy he was. He would talk to you. He would shake hands. He would go out with everybody. He would tell his stories. He would be there until closing. You know, that's that's who he was. Right. And, you know, if you like him for nothing else, you know, like him for this is affability, you know, and, and what a nice guy he seemed to be. Yeah. Whether or not he had spider powers. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it, I guess. And uh, 
Now Jack Kirby can yell at you in heaven, I guess. There you, there you go. And Steve Ditko. <laughs> yes. You guys can all have Got a conference of the mind. Two minds. guys waiting with pipe wrenches in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I'm sure you guys will all work it out. So yep. Excelsior, Stan, and thanks for the memories. March along, march along, march along, march along to the Merry Marvel Marching Society. All right, that's it. Boy, every time we try to make it a short one, it never is. No, and we didn't even get to talk about the new issue of Fantastic Four that came out. Yes, uh, by Dan Slott and Sarah Pacelli. So we'll have to push that to next week. So come back for that. Also come back for a review of the, the favorite, the one I like, the favorite. <laughs> yeah, with a U. Yes, because it's British. That's right. The Yorgos Lanthimos movie uh, that we've been building up to this whole time. Yes, it's a Fox Searchlight film. It is, Mika. I know. He's gone Hollywood. I know he has. This is the beginning of the end. Oh, don't say that. And we'll talk about whether it's a Yorgos movie or an Emma Stone movie. Oh, and you no. know what my opinion is on that. But I we know. will get there next week. Until then, I encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Just Enough Trope and join the conversation. Got any stand stories? Got a better one than mine? I'd sure love to hear it. Share with us your stories about Stan and the works that you enjoy of his Mm -hmm. that have touched your heart. Join us on those social media platforms. Also, follow us on the old iTunes and the Google Podcasts and the Plays and the Ploops and the Plops, (laughs) the Stitchers and the Stotchers and everything else. Subscribe to us because the show comes right to you. That's right. It always comes out Sunday night, every day, Mm -hmm. but it comes right to you. You don't have to go hunting for it to your pod-catching software and device of choice. And for that, we ask something in exchange, that you leave us a review Mm -hmm. and a rating on that platform of choice, be it whatever it is. We want that review because we want to know how you think we're doing and we want to hear what you want us to talk about in the future. Mm -hmm. And the rating, really, for the services. When you give us a high rating, then we move up in the ranks. We get noticed by those services. However those algorithms work, we move up in them and get exposed to more people. And so for that reason, we need... Five lungs that are filled with heavy tap water. Oh my gosh! Not yeah, a, I know they, they specifically kind of said a, heavy tap water, didn't yeah, they? Right. So it's like, is it heavy water, like what gave the atom his powers, or <laughs> or he gave him, or, or it's it's a heavy flow from the tap. It's like how yeah. the guy dies, presumably in Civil War. He Zemo puts him in the sink. Right. And then that tap is going to fill up with water. Right. It's like a tap. Right. Not the kind of love tap that the thing might give to <laughs> to uh, Terax. No, right. this is, yeah, the tap. Right. So that's very confusing. It is. So we'll work that out later. All but right. Yeah, give us five stars instead. We'd appreciate it. That's it for us. We'll be back next week to talk about the favorites. And until then, we are signing off. I'm your host, Calvin. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hanna. Excelsior.